Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. Whether the doctor told me I had a bipolar disorder or not, I still had it. So just having a professional say that, it's not like they're turning it on. It, it's, it's already there. Michelle. Hey, darling. Oh my God. I can see your face. And I know, but you're... we're not in person yet. I know we're not in person yet. I don't know if everybody remembers, but last week my voice sounded a little funny. Yes. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I have to go back and listen. I think I was like, oh, just like my throat just feels funny. Yeah. Well, so that we recorded that on Sunday. No, or did we record it on Monday? Yeah, Monday. And then when I tell you I had the devil himself come upon my body. Oh, that's <laughs> Listen, guys, I got real sick. And on Tuesday, I was like, shoot. So I told my work, I was like, I'm going to work remotely. I'm not feeling my best. They were like, okay, well, like you have to take a COVID test. And I was like, okay. Well, and then you were going to come and pick up my kids. Yeah, I talked to you on video and you're like, are you still okay to pick up my kids? You sound horrible. And I was like, yeah, I really think like it was my throat and voice, but like I, I was still sort of like, oh, I think it's just, I don't know. It's just a cold. And then I was like, I'm just going to do a COVID test, but I'll be there to pick up your kids unless it's COVID. And we laughed. And then yeah. I took the test and it was like, it. I didn't even finish putting the three drops on the thing. And it was like, you have COVID. It was like the most COVID COVID you could have. It was the most COVID COVID I could have. <laughs> and I've spent the last week on my deathbed. I have never been so sick. I couldn't talk. My ears hurt. My head hurt. There's just a lot going on. I lost my taste and smell, which is altogether very disappointing. Is it back yet? No. And it's like the weirdest thing because I can taste sweet and I can taste, I don't even think I can taste spicy. It's just like, I know that something is spicy because the sensation on my tongue tells me it's spicy, but That's I can't. so fascinating to me. Yeah. And then like sweet, I can't really necessarily taste the flavor. So like I go to eat something and it's just, it's like warm, like I had pizza and it was just like warm texture in my mouth, but no distinguishing flavor. It was, it's so disappointing. Yeah. 10 out of 10, do not recommend. Ugh, I'm sorry. And so many people were like, I thought you already had COVID. I had that sort of like weird inconclusive test around Christmas time. And so... Alberta Health Services was like, well, you just have to assume it's COVID. And I was like, okay. Well, and you were sick, right? So. Yeah, like, yeah, that is nothing compared to this. I don't know what strain this is, but like 10 out of 10 do not recommend. No. One of the nights I was coughing so hard, I got a nosebleed on and off for three hours. And then one oh of the gosh. nights I was coughing so hard, I threw up. Ugh. And then one of the nights I've coughed so hard, I peed a little. Oh, no. It's just not great overall. And so today's like day seven and I don't feel my best. No, that sucks. I'm sorry. And so I haven't even seen you in like two weeks. You haven't seen and any house? I know. You moved and I had to work and I felt like a jerk. And I was like, I'm going to be there this week. I'm going to be helping. Then I got the COVID. Yep. How is Allegedly. Alle yeah, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Ow. And every time I cough, my head hurts so much. Like I've had a solid headache for seven days because I can't stop coughing long enough for like my head pressure to ease up. Oh, that's awful. Anyway, enough about me. How the heck are you? I am pretty good. That's all. You've now been in your house for one week. Yeah. We moved and... this past weekend, like last weekend. Yeah. And it was kind of crazy. It did not go as planned, but it's okay. We're sorted now and still unpacking. Still sort organizing. Of now, you're goddamn thriving. You got invited to a party. I did. I got invited to a party by one of my neighbors. Oh my god! Like, tell me like about you. it. Tell you about it. Like, what happened? Uh, tell the people. So, I was getting out of my car, my neighbor across the street was getting out of their car, and they had a 
a puppy with like a little cone on its head because she just got neutered. And they were like, oh, are you our new neighbor? And I introduced myself and they introduced themselves. And then they said that there was a party around the corner for like a late Cinco de Mayo party on like today on Mother's Day. So they're like, bring the kids and come over and meet your neighbors. So I haven't decided. Oh, it's like the kids and everything. Yeah. I thought it was just like an adult party. Like you were going to have to stumble home after. Oh, no, 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 no. I think you should go. Yeah, I'll see. I don't, they didn't really tell me what time it was or anything. So I'm like, I'm kind of waiting to see if I like run into them again to kind of get like a better idea of what's going on. I think you and your kids should dress up in your best Cinco de Mayo outfits, but not cultural appropriation, but like just like (laughs) in the better way and just walk around the neighborhood with a bowl of salsa looking for a party. Looking for the party. I got (laughs) to see if I can just smell the tacos and yeah find it yeah but it's a really cute neighborhood and everyone seems really friendly and there's lots of like everyone's always walking and biking and you know all that yeah that's nice and and you met your other neighbor on the other side then they have kids yeah just super short she just kind of ran over and was like do you have kids and I was like yeah she's like okay bye (laughs) (laughs) well that's good though yeah she's really excited I think one of her Daughters is like my seven-year-old's age. And then I think one of them is the twins' age. So. Oh. Yeah. I I can now appreciate now, like Lindsay and I have moved in together. I, you know, I would always see posts of parents being like, oh, the house next door is up for sale. I hope it's somebody with kids. And like, yeah. I just never appreciated how much you hope for like kids around the same age as your kids yeah within a few you know like close by like when, whenever we're out I'm like oh my god where where do you think those kids live and I'm oh like oh my god like how Let's old are you kids? Them. <laughs> yeah I want to introduce you to these other kids yeah so that's great though the anticipation is killing me I can't wait to come see it I know I'm excited for you to see it it's yeah coming along oh that's so nice but today we're recording and it's mother's day and so tell me about your Mother's Day so far. How'd you wake up? I woke up at 6 a.m. with an iPad to my ear like, very loudly. Can I? It was Jude, wasn't it? Yeah, Jude thought he could just like snuggle into my bed with an iPad blaring and like me not notice, you know? Yeah. So I kicked him out and then he came back a few more times. And then I was just like woken up randomly from children for all sorts of different reasons while I was trying to sleep. Yeah. And that's about it so far but did and they I, do anything for you they got me some like school stuff like school yeah. crafts and stuff i got a little handprint back there from uh claire bear and jude made me one too and kate made me this cute little thing it's like a cut out teapot and then it's got a little pocket with like a tea bag in it so that was pretty oh cute. that's really cute yeah yeah, it's like this. Uh, your older kids are at the age where their class doesn't really do anything anymore. Yeah, no. but they're also too young to like. I think have the initiative to like go do something about it. Yeah. I know Lindsay's kids are the same, where they're like they're not doing anything in school for it, but they're too young to like. How would they know Mother's Day's coming up? Like it. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying really hard not to be passive aggressive. I'm trying really hard not to be like. Or like guilt trippy, like right? Yeah. Could we maybe not fight because it's Mother's Day, you know? Like, well, I'm trying. I think if there is a day to use it, I think today's the day. Yeah, I know, but I also just don't want to be like I don't know. I, it's funny because I've seen a couple of TikToks where it's like the passive aggressive mom on Mother's Day, and I was like, oh shit, is that what I sound like? Oh, <laughs> oh no. So um, I'm just gonna let it be a day, and yeah, that's it. I think if people listening have not already, they should go back and listen to our episode last year. Yeah, we did one called "The Truth About Mother's Day." I think we very accurately sum up the sham that is Mother's Day. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think. The expectations are high and the delivery is low. Yeah. (laughs) Like across the board. I think that's accurate. Well, that's great. What else can we talk about? We have a Patreon. We do. If anybody has never heard of us before, a Patreon is a $5 subscription service and you get bonus episodes as a way of saying like, thanks for supporting the work that we do. And we just launched one last week. We do two episodes a month. The one that we just released last week is about evil in-laws. Oh, that's exciting. 
yeah we talked about like monster-in-laws but also evil sister-in-laws and i should be clear i'm not talking about anybody in my current family i like Lindsay's family is amazing oh but yeah we, yeah i've had some past experiences and we had jody and amanda from everybody hates to hates to love tv everybody <laughs> loves to hate tv they had i thought it was just everybody stories. hates tv we love to hate tv we love to hate tv okay We'll get it right one of these days. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so, and we've got some pretty exciting Patreon content coming up, one of which might be your moving story. Yeah, I think that would be a good one to kind of start from the beginning of all the drama and... Yeah, like you did not sign up for this. No, it was the last thing that I wanted to do, kind of my life. Yeah, but I think it's going to be a good change for you Yeah, and a good important change for your kids. And when I am not sick, then I'm only 10 minutes from you and I'll see you more. I know. I'm excited. Yeah, that's it. And this week, oh, you weren't even in this interview this week. So this episode, yeah, we talked to Teresa. Well, you're going to hear it in just a minute. And she is a repeat guest. So we had her on like a few months ago to talk about coming out late in life as a lesbian. Then this week we talk with her about her diagnosis and living with bipolar, which I think is really interesting. Oh yeah. So I'm excited for you to hear it because the last few, there's like a few episodes where you were taking, I made you take a break cause you were moving. And so that's why you're not in this episode. I know it's so sad, but I'm happy to be back because we just recorded an episode together. Finally. Yeah. This is the first one in a month, I guess. Yeah. So that's really exciting. It was so nice to have you back. I know. I feel like I was oh. like, how do I do this again? But yeah, you get back into it. Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope everyone enjoys this episode and we will talk more at the end of the show. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm overtired, but I'm good. <laughs> I know you had mentioned before we started that you were tired and maybe a little hungover, which sounds like a great time. Yes, it was a great time. Um, mostly tired. And it's my own bloody fault because I end up going, <laughs> I end up going on TikTok and then go down these rabbit holes and just hours pass before I realize, oh my God, it's 1.30 a.m. and I have to be yeah. up with a five-year-old at 6.30. <laughs> yeah, they don't care if you're tired. They're just going to wake up. Oh, yes. And she <laughs> loves to wake me up by turning all the lights in the room on first with no warning oh my. <laughs> and then jumping on top of me. <laughs> That's so. amazing. I have like a memory. I must have only been four or five. And I remember walking into my mom's room and not believing if she was asleep or not. And so I physically opened her eyeballs, like her eyelids. (laughs) Like what a dick move, Carling. (laughs) And I like, I don't know if I did it more than once, but like, it's just this like core memory burned into my mind when I was in Manitoba. Yeah. She must have loved it. Yeah, Yeah. well, that's great. I also realized I said good morning and it's like almost lunchtime for you there because we're a time difference. Let's see. Oh, no, it's still morning. It's only 11.15. Yeah, I guess so. It is good morning. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's amazing. Well, I'm so excited to chat with you again. We talked to you, I guess it was just about last year, your episode... Your original episode that we talked to you was number 98 back in January, but we decided in that episode that we just had to have you back because we could have chatted for hours and hours. Yeah, and I'm happy to be back. It was super fun. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, for anybody who hasn't heard your episode, why don't we have you introduce yourself a little bit and then and then we'll kind of get into why we're chatting today. Sure. Sounds good. So hello, my name's Teresa and I'm 40 years old. I always thought I was bisexual because I guess I always assumed you had to be with a man. And I sort of thought every woman has crushes on other women. We just go with men because that's (laughs) what we're supposed to do. And then when my marriage ended like 15 months ago or something, I realized that you you can do this all without a man. <laughs> all of it. You yeah. can live and arguably it, it even be enhanced. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so that's me. I came out as a late-in-life lesbian. I'm a single mom to an incredible five-year-old girl. Yeah, so I feel like I started a whole new book. I'm giving myself permission to learn who my authentic self is and to make mistakes along the way. And if stuff gets messy, then it does. But um, not letting myself be afraid of what consequences there could be. Like when I came out to my parents, I was a little bit nervous, but I was like, well, I know they love me, so they're I'm sure they're going to be fine with it. And if they're not, I'm going to just roll with the punches. I love that. I remember in the first time we chatted, you had said, it doesn't feel like you're starting a new chapter. You're just, you've closed that entire book and you're starting a new book. And I love that analogy because it does feel like you can put part of your life to bed and just start completely new. Oh, a hundred percent. That's, uh, that's yeah. And I have to be honest, I like this Teresa so much better than the old Teresa. (laughs) Do you ever find people that knew you before and knew you now and they're like, oh, this seems more like you? I have, but mostly people don't put their finger on it quite right. They say that Mm -hmm. I seem a whole lot happier, which don't get me wrong. I am. They, I think they generally think that because my ex aunt and I aren't together, that that is why I'm so happy. And I will be on <laughs> a very big chunk of it. But yeah. mostly it's since coming out, it's like, it's like everything feels lighter and the world feels more crisp and clear. Yeah. There's lots of good stuff. And I found everything felt easier, even the hard stuff. Like it just felt, I don't know, some, even the hard things felt easier for me. Yeah, I agree. So the original reason I reached out to you on TikTok was because you showed up on like a live feed and your username is don't worry, I'm medicated. And I laughed so hard and (laughs) then looked into your profile and I was like, oh, she's also a late in life lesbian. That's great. Our first episode, we talked about that, but I thought it would be so important to have its own episode dedicated to sort of like the history behind that that username. And in your profile, you talk about having bipolar. I don't think we talk openly enough as a society about A, sexuality and B, mental health. And so, yeah, I would love it if you would share your journey to um, being diagnosed with bipolar and what that's been like. Yeah, I can definitely do that. Any excuse to talk about mental health and I am in. The more we talk about it, the less stigma there is around it. And it helps normalize it, which is really important. Like you go to the dentist every three months or so. Most people don't go to a psychiatrist ever. You take care of your teeth, but your brain and your emotions, like people just don't think that it's as necessary. I really, really think it is. So when I was... I think I had just turned 20. We had a lot of stuff change in our life very quickly we moved away from the town that I had always lived in I started a new job there were just a whole bunch of changes and I had never thought about mental health at the time because it was Jesus 2001 and yeah then people it was still very very taboo if you saw a psychiatrist people are like well what's wrong with you are you crazy like yeah so but I had to see a psychiatrist because I um, had a few, I'm not sure, can I say suicide? Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I had a suicide attempt and my parents drove me to the hospital where they, the people at the hospital admitted me onto the psych ward and I was there for about two months and I was diagnosed with depression, like severe depression. And so they put me on medication for that and I went home and about a month and a half later, Things were much worse and I tried to, well, off myself again. So back oh, to the second no. event for three months. And that is when I got diagnosed properly. So the reason things had gotten so worse after the first stint in the hospital is because I was on the wrong medication. I was on pretty much the opposite of what I should have been on. And it was really, really messing me up. When you were there the first time, did you, were you there long enough for the doctors to feel comfortable with how you were reacting to the medication? Yes, I was. But a lot of meds can, a lot of these sort of medications can take up to six, seven weeks before you see any difference. And I was there for 
two months. So it would have been only like a couple of weeks that the meds were actually working in me. So it's very possible that they weren't able to see the negative effects because they hadn't really kicked in right. yet. Yeah. So I came out of the hospital the second time on one medication and it was helpful. And I had been like assigned a psychiatrist while I was in the hospital and he fortunately kept me on as a patient. So I've had the same psychiatrist for like 20 years, which is Awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Whole history. So now I'm presently on six different medications. My bipolar is type two bipolar, which means it's sometimes called rapid fluctuating bipolar. So I have significantly more depressive and manic episodes throughout a year than somebody who has just bipolar. So that's so interesting. Yeah. It's, it's not it's not as fun as it sounds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, no, that it does not sound fun at all. Yeah, so I am on, let me see, three antidepressants and three, oh, no, one mood stabilizer, two antipsychotics. And because of my meds, I am normal <laughs> or as normal as normal can be. I've never not taken them since I've been diagnosed. So I don't even know what life would look like if I wasn't medicated. What was it like just backing up before that first um, hospitalization? Can you look back and see some major manic and depressive episodes? Yeah, 100%. Starting at about 17. So often okay. people who have bipolar disorders, it takes, and, and it's not always the case, but it's often, it takes a traumatic event in your life to sort of kick it into gear. Oh, interesting. Okay. So when I was 17, I was gang raped and I didn't put the two things together until my psychiatrist pointed it out. But after that happened, I started drinking heavily. I started self-harming myself. Very promiscuous. Yeah. So I was in a very, I was in a depressive and manic state, just up and down and up up and down but I I mean that's such a huge trauma anyway for anybody yeah so I didn't put the two things together but my psychiatrist did and he's definitely right (laughs) I am very grateful that I'm diagnosed and that I'm medicated yeah and alive it could have depending on the the course that your parents or doctors or anybody took it could have been so different. Yes, definitely. Is bipolar, so you had said like it takes a trauma to maybe like sort of kickstart it. Does that mean you you already were predisposed to getting bipolar or having bipolar? It would have maybe happened anyway? Yeah, this is what my psychiatrist has told me. I don't think it always is because of a trauma, but like it usually is. I definitely was predisposed to it. but. Yeah, it was also the stuff that happened. And does do you know anybody in your family that has bipolar? My dad does, but he's undiagnosed. But I'm very good at knowing what the signs are because I have to constantly be checking in with myself. So yes, definitely my father. He is more manic than depressed. So his manic episodes last longer and he'll do something like decide to sell all of the cars that we have and buy all the cars or put the house up for sale without even consulting my mother more than once. Wow. And okay. So for anybody listening that hasn't heard or isn't familiar with the term manic, how would you best describe that? So manic is the polar opposite of depression. And that sounds like, oh, that sounds pretty good. No, it's the... terrible you feel like you've had two pots of coffee for me my hands my hands always shake anyway because of the meds but it's like I can't even hold a cup I'm so jittery everybody feels like they're talking too slowly the world feels like it's moving too slowly I feel like I can accomplish literally anything I also I have to be really really careful because sometimes when I'm manic I will make purchases that are just outlandish and well I can't do that (laughs) I'm a single mom (laughs) yeah yeah but that it affects a lot of people that way when they're manic some of the signs are not being able to sleep overeating or under eating like but to an extreme spending lots of money and being promiscuous so be any of those things and I had all of those things (laughs) 
That's interesting. It must be so, do you realize it when you're in it? Are you like, oh, okay, this is manic? Yeah, it takes about a day for me to realize, oh shit, this isn't normal. Yeah. I need to do something about it. So when it happens, now for me, my manic episodes are usually only about 24 to 48 hours and my depression can last anywhere from four days to a month so when I manic at first it feels really good and then part way through the day like it's not stopping though and everybody is so irritating right now and I don't even want to be around my <laughs> yeah and then I'm cluing <laughs> and when when I do realize that either I'm slipping into a depression or um, a manic episode I immediately email my psychiatrist and let him know and we often have to adjust the doses of different meds that I take and then once I'm feeling more level then we put the doses back to what they were before but for me it is so important that I have this relationship with my psychiatrist so that I can just let him know instantly he gets back to me and we find a way to cope with it if not make it stop. So even though you're medicated all the time, you still have these sort of like manic and depressive episodes. They're just maybe more easily managed in the moment because you're it's just an adjustment. Yeah, absolutely. If I wasn't medicated, I well, I wouldn't be here anymore if I wasn't medicated. Yeah. Yes, but with the meds still I have breakthroughs. Like I mean like depressive episodes that break through which is why we adjust my meds accordingly and then put them back. It's a little more manageable. <laughs> and what was it like then getting that diagnosis? Were you like surprised, relieved, scared? All of those things. Mostly yeah. though, I was relieved. Right. Uh, because I knew there was something wrong with me. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea. And to get the diagnosis meant that I get to start working on fixing it or learning to live with it. So I know a lot of people are afraid, people I've spoken to, are afraid to go to see a psychiatrist because they're like, they're going to diagnose me with something and I'm going to look like a crazy person. And yeah. every time I hear someone say that, I'm like, but think about it. If they're diagnosing you, you already have this issue. You just don't yeah. know it or you don't have the tools to deal with it being diagnosed is like the first step to going on the right path and sort of normalizing or stabilizing yeah exactly yeah and how was your family with it so this must have been like a huge roller coaster for them because yeah. it all sort of was triggered by an attempted suicide yeah they didn't take it as seriously as they should have in the beginning i think Right. They were sort of nonchalant about it, thought the diagnosis was too extreme and that I wasn't as bad as the doctor said that I was. But a lot of time has passed and they've been able to experience my many manic and depressive episodes. And they are definitely aware now that it is this extreme. That Right. So they're now very supportive, which I'm very fortunate for. And I wonder, I think our age is interesting because our parents grew up in a very like mental health health was taboo or not as accessible it wasn't talked about and so I think our parents generation really have a hard time just opening up and accepting I feel like you know it's yeah. just like everything when they were growing up it just you didn't talk about it if you sought treatment or diagnosis at all yeah for sure in fact me being diagnosed sort of opened the door for both of my parents to think about and talk about their mental health as well, which has been great for them, for all of us, really, like myself yeah. and my sibling. So it's been a good thing. Whether the doctor told me I had a bipolar disorder or not, I still had it. So just having a professional say that, it's not like they're turning it on. It, it's it's already there. And so you were just not you were just in your early 20s sort of getting used to this. So yeah. what was life like entering like the dating world? Was it a consideration? Did you even I don't know, worry about it? I didn't worry about it. I did. Usually if we made it to like the fourth date, I would tell them because if you're getting serious with someone who has any sort of physical or mental disorder, you do have to let them know. At least that's my yeah. opinion. I think it's yeah. only because it can be difficult to be with me if you are not educated on what to expect from someone with type 2 bipolar. My depressive episodes can get 
look really scary to somebody who doesn't understand what's happening. So I, I do like to tell the person I'm dating pretty close to the beginning of the relationship. And have you had any negative reactions about it? No, I have not. I have not wow. ever had a reaction to it. That's Always. really good. I do remind the person that, okay, so we've known each other for like a month now and I seem pretty normal to you. I still have had a bipolar disorder this whole time. So it's not as scary as it sounds <laughs> because right. you didn't even realize that I had it until I told you. Yeah. And what does, so what does a depressive episode look like for you? I start feeling, well, sad isn't even the right word. It's more like sorrow. And I don't want to be around anybody. I want to just lay in bed in the dark. The depression manifests itself very much physically for me as well. Like it's like my entire body is grieving for something. Like it's just oh, wow. so huge. I also start thinking that everybody is against me, especially uh. my family and friends. I start to feel like they're, they don't have my best intentions to, at heart. They are actually trying to sabotage me just in life. And yeah. once I'm on the other side of the depression, once I've come out of it, I automatically am like, oh, okay. Literally nobody is out to get me. This was all in my head. Yeah, it can be it can be very scary and isolating and it can feel like it's never going to go away. You will never, ever be happy again. It must be so scary. It is. It just takes over your entire life. For me, when I'm very, very depressed, I'll go three, four days without showering because I can barely get out of bed long enough to use the toilet. Yeah. And I have a five-year-old. I, I, I don't have time. For that I don't have to <laughs> lay in bed for like two three days or I I can't just be crying for 24 hours I have to hike up my boots and still continue with life so it's very helpful that my parents are supportive about it because my daughter and I live with my parents right now and the fact that I have such an incredible psychiatrist is so helpful I can email him any day, anytime, and he'll get back to me very quickly. That's amazing. I think one of the problems that I've noticed is with, and specifically with the Canadian healthcare system, I don't know about other places, but mm -hmm. you, you know, we get free healthcare. And so, so often, you know, you end up with, say, a psychologist because you're in the hospital, but that person won't carry on your care once you've left the hospital and then accessing resources, sometimes you're like bounced around just because you don't get one consistent person. Yeah, 100%. The first time I was hospitalized, the doctor who ended up misdiagnosing me was not there when I was hospitalized the second time. So the oh. psychiatrist that I saw the second time who correctly diagnosed me is the psychiatrist that I have now. Yeah. I was very fortunate that he was still taking patients at the time. Because now he has a two-year wait for new oh, patients. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you find when you're in relationships or even with your family, do sometimes they, outside people, recognize that you might be slipping into manic or depressive before you do? Yes, almost every time. Oh, it's, interesting. The way I describe it happening is like, if you put a frog in boiling water, it's going to jump out. But if you put yeah. a frog in a pot of cold water and slowly bring it to a boil, the frog will stay in the pot until it is dead. I'm the frog in the cold water. And generally, my friends and family are able to be like, hey, your water's boiling. You oh. And yes. how is that received? Do you feel insulted about it or hurt by it? Never, never at all. They always do it with my best intentions in heart, at heart. And I, I always appreciate it. Even if I don't feel that that's what's happening, I still appreciate that they're paying attention for my best. Yeah. And do you know, is it hereditary? Like, does your daughter have a higher risk of getting a diagnosis? That is what I've been told. Yes, it is possible. And so are you doing anything to, I guess, like, she's only four or five now, like monitor her or talk openly with her about it? Definitely, we talk openly about it. Right now, generally, when somebody has a bipolar disorder, it doesn't sort of manifest itself until their later teens. So we'll just keep an eye on her. And I, I will most likely have her see a psychiatrist probably around 14, maybe 15, just for checkup. Just because, you know, yeah. you bring kids to get their eyes checked and their hearing checked. 
I want to have her brain checked too. Yeah, I I hope we're moving in a direction as a society that that's just what you do. You know, yeah. like you see a doctor, a dentist, an eye doctor, and a psychologist or a counselor. Yeah, because you only like you only have one brain. You know, you got to take care of it. You only get one. For sure. Yeah. And is there any stigma around it that you've heard or faced? The only real thing that there, there's one thing that really, really bugs me and mostly about the media is the way that bipolar is sort of made to be a bit of a joke when Mm. somebody is acting rationally or they're being very moody. Someone's like, oh my God, she's so bipolar. And that's not what it is. And I just feel like it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's perpetuating this thought that People who have a bipolar disorder are crazy, and that's not the case. Yeah, it seems, I don't know at what stage as a society we decided to take derogatory terms, like make, you know, like that's so gay. Like, why, yeah. like why did that ever become a thing? Or the R word? Or like, why was that ever used in a humorous or like insulting way another thing that we that we had talked about maybe touching on and we're kind of shifting gears but I think it's also perception and experience is is sort of like dating in a plus size body yeah definitely and yeah that's something that you've talked a little bit about I guess what has been your experience as I don't know if it's just like as a single person in a plus size body or as a lesbian in a plus size body entering the dating world yeah so when my husband and I ended our marriage I dated men for four months after that still thinking I had to find a man I had to be with a man that's just the way the world works and I was very self-conscious about being plus size so I would send full body shots so that not saying that this is why I wouldn't tell them that this is the reason that I'm doing it but it was so that they would have a good idea of what I really looked like because I was so concerned that we're we're gonna meet go out for coffee and they'll be like oh wow she is 50 pounds heavier than I thought because I, I find men talk about female bodies very flippantly. They, they can be very, very insulting, even without realizing it sometimes. And sometimes they're just yeah. dicks. But, um, <laughs> since coming out, I have not had one woman make me feel that way. Yeah. And Gosh, women are the best. They are. And I've been dating women since June. I think June last June. Yeah, it's it is totally different. In fact, I get a lot of compliments on my shape now. And the my marriage, one of the things that he would like to say just to be unkind is that he's not into chubby chicks. But we were uh, together 13 years. Uh, he knew what I like before we got married. So right. he also did things like he told me that he almost said that his work Christmas party was not having guests, just the employees. <gasps> and he told me this on the way to the Christmas party. He said he was embarrassed and he didn't want his coworkers to see how fat his wife is. So oh my God. he didn't do it, but he chose that time on the way there to say that to me, which obviously made me feel like garbage. And I just yeah. didn't even want to get out of the car once we got there. So there was a lot of emotional abuse in regards to my weight. Yeah. So I, I'm really trying to work through it because it's still always top of my mind. Who could find me attractive? Nobody will find me attractive because that's what I had been told for yeah. a very long time. So it's honestly, every time somebody compliments uh, me physically I feel like they're just being really kind they don't actually mean it and that's just because I have trauma that I have to work through still from yeah. marriage but being women honestly I find that women build each other up so much more than being with a man no man would ever do that that I yeah. have met at least like when I'm with a woman she makes me feel like my she like my body is being adored and it is such a good feeling it's really nice I still do send a full body shot though 
before we meet. I think I will probably always end up doing that. It's just in the back of my head. I don't want to see a look of surprise and disappointment on their face when I first walk up to them. Right. And yeah, you had made a you pinned a TikTok about that. And I thought it was really interesting about like, does anybody else send full body shots as a way of yeah, and like what a world we live in that, you know, like with online dating and, and filters yeah. and, you know, like photo manipulation with posing and things mm-hmm. like that, that you've, you know, they, that is a consideration that, you know, because we've been maybe treated poorly or reacted to negatively that yeah. you feel like you have to do that. I, I flat out refuse to use filters on my TikToks because... I'm, I want that to be my authentic self and I want to be the same person in real life when you meet me as I am when I'm on my lives on TikTok. Right. I, I want to, yeah, to accurately represent myself. So that means flaws and all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I find it so interesting that, you know, at what point I get, I mean, this really ties in with that stigma and beliefs is at what point do males start learning behaviors like objectifying women's bodies or using a woman's body as a weapon and you know how you talk about it versus women who maybe have you know the reason we lift each other up is because we are objectified from a very very young age yeah I I've noticed that probably because my daughter's five but I've noticed a lot of kids especially young boys when they do something like pull a girl's hair or trip her or something like that often the adult who's there will just say oh boys will be boys or he's just being a boy and that is telling both the boy that it's okay to act like that toward a girl and is telling the girl well he can't help it he's a boy so you just have to deal with it yeah Uh, and so yeah that's so that's so dumb yes it is it is really really dumb like yeah in short that is dumb you're setting them up for failure in future relationships you know i remember like being chased by a boy in elementary and the teacher being like oh he just likes you yes and like now if it yeah Like if a human chased me because they liked me, I'd call the cops. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and maybe you can persuade them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I mean, all we can do is do better with this next generation of little humans that are growing up and and change the language that we use around like mental health and bodies and relationships and, you know, gender stereotypes. For sure. I find sometimes you'll be watching a movie or something, see something on TV, and I'll say like, oh my gosh, she looks so awful. What is she thinking with her hair like that? And I've had to stop doing that because, well, one, it's just toxic. But I don't want my daughter hearing me or anyone criticizing a total stranger on their appearance. Yeah. So it's something that I have to consciously not do all the time even though the person can't hear you it's still tearing them down and that's not okay so yeah and we shouldn't yeah we shouldn't look at any other body and feel the need to make a comment like who are we to make a comment and you don't know i think the reason a person might be overweight i take six different bipolar medications I don't stand a chance of not being overweight. <laughs> right. It has a side effect of weight gain. Yeah. It's, you never know what somebody else is going through. Like maybe they're not, you know, this slob that just sits and eats chips all day and doesn't move. Yeah, that is, that's really like, even in my, like the way that I think society reacts to me like I had to go to urgent care the other day because I have some random unexplainable foot pain that makes it really hard to walk right now and I I hesitated going to urgent care because I just assumed that I would be looked at like well I mean if you lost a bit of weight you know like obviously it's because you're lazy and like that was that was me talking to myself 
And my partner was like, you literally cannot walk. Like, don't you think you should maybe get that looked at? I didn't want it to be questioned about, does it have to do with my body size? And yeah, like that's just so messed up. Like, I know that that sounds so messed up. No, I've been there. I fully get what you're talking about. I have severe arthritis in both of my knees. I only have 10% of cartilage left in one and uh, 12% in the other. Up until about a year ago, I just suffered in silence. Only close friends and family knew because I was convinced that it was my own fault for being overweight, that because I was overweight, I wore away the cartilage. And I was so ashamed that I would just take a whole bunch of pain meds and power through. And then I realized, why the hell am I? Being ashamed is not helping anything at all. Telling people I love that I have this issue, it it does make it so that it's difficult for me to do some things. It's so much better they know for myself and them. So, man, I totally understand what you're saying about thinking that your weight, that they may negatively judge you because of your weight and say that that's your, it sucks. Yeah, or it's dumb and it sucks. (laughs) But I'm learning to love my body, so... And you know what? A big, big part of how I'm being able to learn to love my body is all of the positive feedback that I get on TikTok from followers just about about me, about my appearance, but also like my personality. It's just nice to hear nice things and it really builds you up. And I didn't have that. Yeah, I think we need more of that. Yes, definitely. I'm the sort of person who when I'm out in public, if I see somebody and I love their hair, I will go up to them and say like, oh my God, you have the most amazing hair. Because I feel like generally people only discuss the negative stuff. You don't often Mm -hmm. get a random compliment, but you could very easily get bitched out by somebody. Yeah. And who knows, that one comment might be the nicest thing that person has heard all day or in a while and why not bring a little sunshine I know even Michelle and I I've heard her make negative comments about her body in front of her kids and I'll be like if you could just not talk about my best friend that way you know and I try to really shift it and it sort of like lightens the mood but sort of gently reminds her that you know let's let's change the narrative and talk about the good things about our bodies yeah you are so correct on that I myself don't speak negatively about my body at all in front of my daughter. Yeah, I'm yeah. very conscious of, of that. She is extremely healthy. But I remember when I was about her age starting to think, I don't want to get fat. I don't want to get fat. Yeah. Um, and I really, really don't want that for her. All those negative thoughts at such a young age, at any age, really. But I do try to be kind to myself when I'm around her. I'm pretty sure I've spent about a third of my life on some sort of diet. Oh, Um, I know. That third was miserable. Yeah, it has. I like I have memories of my mom and grandma, you know, talking about if you can pinch an inch, that's where you need to lose weight. And, you know, my grandma, when I would stay with her in the summer, she'd be like, okay, well, I'll buy you these pizza pops, but it's 1200 calories for one serving. And, you know, you should only eat 1200 calories a day. But I was only 11, maybe at the time. And, you know, that was just her doing her best because they were thick into the into the unhealthy side of weight loss culture. But you know, like she just didn't want me to be overweight. And she thought that that was the, the best way to educate me. My yeah. mom was on so many different diets when I was growing up and starting at about 12 years old, I think she started putting me on the same diet that she was on whenever. So like oh. Weight Watchers, Benny Craig, whatever. I mean, I was going through puberty. Every kid has yeah. a chubby oh, butt. Yeah. Like you it, literally have to get a little chubby before you grow taller. Like that's the way it, yeah, exactly. it happens. So I just, from such a young age, I felt like I was being told I wasn't good enough the way I was, that I needed to improve my appearance for other people's sake. Man, that really sticks with you. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I even remember being in high school and doing Weight Watchers. And Mm -hmm. if I knew I was going to go out drinking, I would only eat like zero point foods, which consisted of like celery and cucumbers to like save up my points to use them on rye. I'm like, what? It's so bad. Yeah. Even in my 20s, I did the same thing. I feel like you should write a book. I can just, I feel like you have so 
much insight into so many different areas and your lived experiences. I don't know. I don't know if anybody's ever said it, but I feel like you should write a book. When I do my lives, whenever there, whenever there's like a, yeah. a lull for a minute or something, I'll think of a story, just a funny story from my past and tell my followers. And every single time I do it, I get all of these comments on, I, I do tell a good story and I do yeah. maybe, maybe a book yeah. is a good idea. <laughs> this could be it. This could be it. Well, that's amazing. I'm so glad that we were able to connect again. And like I said, we should just have you back all the time because we have so many, I don't know, just so many things that we could chat about. Yeah, have me back anytime you want. I love it. It's super fun. This time I was kind of all over the place with topics. So I apologize for that. But it was really But fun. I think they all they all kind of flow together. It's like this lived experiences I... and fighting like bias and perception and language, right? Yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And it's all important stuff to talk about. Yeah. I mean, that's our mission with the podcast is just to like have conversations with people about things that they've been through and lived through because that may somebody's gonna listen to it and feel less alone every Very single time. Yes. Well, yes. Teresa, thank you so much for joining me today and you know just being so candid and open and honest it is invaluable it is something that is so needed in this world oh that's so lovely i i am more than happy to do this with you it's it's really fun and there are some topics that i feel we really do need to talk about more so it's yeah. great awesome well i hope you have an amazing day and we will talk to you really soon that sounds great all right. All right. Bye, bye. Bye. Hey, Michelle. Hey, darling. Oh, my God. There was such a delay there. Was there? But like the camera froze and then you just like popped right onto the screen. It was <gasps> funny. Yeah. <laughs> Teresa, thank you so much for coming back on our podcast. Mm. I think I'm always so flattered when a past guest agrees to come back because that tells me that they had at the very least a good experience. They weren't like, and oh, my God, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. 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 No, it's good. I feel like I could just like, we could chat with her for hours because she has Absolutely. so many relatable and good stories. Yeah. And I edited a lot of it. I think I edited all of it out, but her little daughter who just turned five was in the room and oh. every now and then she would come up and just start talking. And then she would just start talking to me and she told me how she just turned five and it was oh, her birthday. Cute. It was really cute. Well, my voice is starting to feel not great. And so no. this will be a short outro. Yes. I just, it's too much. Seven days of it? Like, I'm over this. I mean, yeah, that's... It's Who do not, I talk to? I don't know. I mean, maybe you should talk to Trump because he said it wasn't really that big of a deal. So I really think you're maybe just exaggerating. Yeah, I just need to suck it up and drink my... I'm obsessed with lemon cucumber water. I think because oh. I just like have like... My throat is so irritated and it yeah. just is like so hydrating. I cannot get enough of it. Oh, amazing. But anyway, I just want to do a little shout out to everybody who's listening. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Where can people find us online? They can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Patreon, Oh yeah, also ran no, also we're on LinkedIn. Oh, we're on LinkedIn. Yeah, oh, we're on LinkedIn. And yeah, all of our episodes post to there. It's so funny. I also put us on Pinterest and Tumblr. Okay. But I actually don't understand Tumblr. I do not understand Tumblr. I also somebody, don't understand Reddit. Yeah, no, I don't know. Reddit, I understand if somebody like sends me a Reddit or when I'm like, oh yeah, that's funny because I understand the topic, but I don't know how to go into Reddit and navigate my way around. I know. It's over my head. Yeah, I can't do it. So yeah, I mean, we're not active over on Tumblr or Pinterest, but we're there. But we're there. So there find you us if, if that's your space and you want to <laughs> and find us. I'm excited to have you back. I know, I'm, excited I'm excited to, to be back. doing interviews with you again. I hope that everybody has a really great week. And I hope that you feel better. Yeah. Anywho, give us a follow. Go join us on Patreon. Okay. Oh, God. Have a good day. You too.